Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. The lockout is still ongoing. There's not a whole lot going on in Major League Baseball, but we still got high school season underway, the college season underway. And of course, we're continuing to roll through our top 10 prospects podcast series. Today, we are joined by Carlos Colazzo to break down the Minnesota Twins system. Carlos, this is your second year doing the Twins. Overall, what would you say is kind of the, the state of the organization right now? Things did not go well in the major leagues last year, expected to contend for a third straight division title. They instead finished in last place in the Central, had a bit of a sell-off at the deadline, trading Jose Barrios, Nelson Cruz, Jay Happ. Pretty much anything and everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, but they did reinforce the farm system with some of these trades. Uh, just where are the Twins right now? Yeah, I think uh, just based on the trades they made last season, it seems like they're in a little bit of a rebuild, maybe more of a, a retooling, just given some of the close proximity prospects they have that should be making a major league impact very soon. It's not like you look at this team uh, and it's devoid of talent by any means, but certainly there are questions about where the innings are going to come from on the mound. Trading, trading Barrios last year is a big question mark. They're going to have to fill that rotation spot that he's been solidly filling for years now. Uh, obviously trading a guy like Nelson Cruz, who's been in the middle of that lineup and, and just a, a very impactful player for them on the field and off the field is a big loss. They still have Josh Donaldson. It'll be interesting to see kind of what direction they go with him this year. Is that another player they try and trade away um, and, and retool a little bit, get some more youth in their system? Or is, or is he going to be the foundation of this lineup that they try to win with? Because it's, it's interesting looking at the Twins because they did make all those trades but at the same time, they agreed to an extension with Byron Buxton uh, prior to the lockout. And that move certainly signals that you would at least hope you're going to try to remain competitive in the near term. And he's certainly a talent that when healthy, you can probably feel pretty comfortable that you could build a core around. Uh, and like I said, I do think the system is is built and ready now to give them some major league reinforcements really quickly, even if it's not a top tier system, just based on the impact talent that we have. Yeah, and that's a very important point. And one thing that definitely jumped out to me when they made those trades last summer is they went and got guys who can help them in the next year or two. The Twins are a team that's made the postseason three times in the last five years. Again, back-to-back division champions in 2019-2020. And again, 2021 did have the feeling of the kind of season where just almost everything went wrong, especially on the pitching side. But there's still talent here. And you look at so many of the guys they got, Austin Martin, Simeon Woods Richardson getting up to double A. That's who they got for Jose Barrios, Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman for Nelson Cruz. Ryan made his major league debut after the trade. Strotman's in triple A. So they have guys who are in the system and can help sooner rather than later. But like you mentioned, they're going to need the innings, especially from Ryan and, and Strotman and Woods Richardson, these pitchers in particular. But the guy who was the headliner in all these deals they acquired was Austin Martin. And uh, for the record, a personal side, I'm really looking forward to another Austin Martin debate. You and I had a yeah, pretty absolutely. epic one uh, during the <laughs> lead up to the 2020 draft. I think you're on the 
you're probably on the right side of things at this point. I really, I really needed to turn around so I can win this argument. <laughs> so yeah, that's actually the, the point I kind of want to bring up. As mm-hmm. you put together this list, Austin Martin came in as the number one prospect in this farm system. The reviews on him last year were extremely split. I, just to be perfectly frank, I think Austin Martin is probably the single most divisive prospect in minor league baseball right now. You will get everything from this is an up-down emergency guy to mm-hmm. this guy's going to be a steady everyday player. I think it's important that no one really sees a star. Yeah. But you know, if you get a, a solid everyday player, that's a good outcome. Where is he right now? And and overall, how do you kind of balance out the internal and external reviews, which can vary pretty widely? Yeah, and I think even internally, there's just split camp within certain people that you talk to. We still have a 60 high on Austin Martin. So so if he hits on that, it's still a very good player, obviously. I think the challenge with him is he does a lot of things really, really well. And then he has some very obvious questions that you could see limiting the amount of impact that he makes at the big league level power uh, and the impact uh, that he gets to with consistency is a real big question among our top 100 prospects, his exit velocity, his 90th percentile exit velocity are bottom three of the hitters. That's a real question. Uh, he, He flashed some developing power in college and for whatever reason, the swing in pro ball just never looked as impactful Um, But uh, on the other end of the spectrum, he has fantastic plate discipline. Uh, His chase rate is exceptional. He should always have pretty strong on-base abilities and a foundation um, that allows him to get on base and just to swing at the right pitches. Just his approach in general at the plate is very advanced. I think his hit tool um, is pretty advanced as well. So that gives you a solid floor of a player that you can see uh, being valuable in a lineup. Uh, additionally, on the defensive side, he has pretty significant questions. I mean, is he going to play center field? Um, if Byron Buxton is on this team and is healthy, he's certainly not playing center field over a guy like Byron Buxton. Um, he's continued to have questions about his throwing accuracy on the infield. Probably not going to be a shortstop. Does he have the arm to play third or to play a second? And, and then if you're not playing those premium positions or if you're not in the dirt, and now you're in a corner outfield spot because while center field maybe is your most natural defensive position, you're not, you're not beating Byron Buxton at that position. Um, now you question the power again. You're, you're a corner outfielder. Do you have the, the power to profile at that position? So there are an interesting blend of questions um, along with what I, I think is a really solid foundation that should give you confidence in a hitter. So I think next year or going into this 2022 season, the question for me is just, is he going to add more strength? Is he going to impact the ball with more regularity? Because if he does, you can feel really good about him as an overall offensive player. And if he doesn't, then you start to question kind of the ceiling uh, versus floor debate and what sort of a hitter are we really looking at? One of the things that I have thought about with Austin Martin a lot over the past year, and I actually put this to a couple of front office officials and they were like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the situation. A couple of years ago, Jonathan India was the fifth overall pick in the 2018 draft. And he frankly just got crushed by evaluators for the better part of three years. Uh, They didn't see tools. They didn't see effort. They they didn't see really much of anything. But it was notable that in his first full season, he still got up to double A and got on base. There was some production there, even if it wasn't pretty and, and the scouting reports were pretty rough. Then he went to the alternate site, made some adjustments, came out this year. And in, in 2021 spring training, the same scouts who'd had Reds coverage for years and crushed him were like, whoa, this is an entirely different player. So even when he was 
quote unquote, not going well, he was still producing at a, a pretty decent level in the minors. And the Jonathan India experience is why I'm sort of holding back on Austin Martin a little bit. When I say holding back, I mean, holding back from just saying, yeah, this is a blown pick. Uh, again, yeah. it's a lot of people um, just looking at the reviews and reports this year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, they, they crushed him and the ones that liked him, it was more like, yeah, he's okay. But the fact that in mm-hmm. his first full season coming off of not even having really a college season in 2020, getting up to double a going straight to double a, I should say, and hitting 270 with a 414 on base the Jonathan India experience makes me want to say, I want to see a little more of this and see what adjustments he makes before bailing on it. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I, I mean, the 414 on base percentage is really the, the kind of stat you point to if you're still optimistic about Martin and you're still excited about what he can do. Because, like you said, going straight to double A as a guy who didn't have a full collegiate season and putting up those on base numbers is very rare. He had the 10th best OBP among upper level hitters with 300 plate appearances or more in the year. And that puts him in a pretty good group of hitters. So so I just think that foundational piece to his offensive game, I I think there's some things you can do to change approach and to improve batting eye. But for me, just having that as an ability that you feel confident in to build off of it, theoretically, at least it would be easier to gain strength and add a little bit more power um, than to overhaul an approach and just get a fantastic batting eye. So that if you're optimistic or you're confident in Austin Martin, that's what you're going to point to. If you're skeptical and you're out on him, you're going to look at the power output and the defensive questions. Um, but he definitely has some, some questions to answer either way in 2022. And hopefully we get a more clear view of what his overall role is going to be. Um, but I still am pretty high on him. I like the athlete. I like the, the batting eye and the pure bat to ball skills. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think he's going to be one of the most fascinating prospects to watch in 2022. And again, he's someone that the Twins are are counting on a little bit, and they have a pretty good position player core. I think there's more pressure on their pitching prospects to be the impact major leaguers. Those are the guys they really need to hit the most. But obviously, if Austin Martin can take a Jonathan India type of leap, that certainly puts the Twins in a really, really, really good position moving forward. Carlos, given the questions surrounding him, as well as what he does do well, how close of a debate was it with him as the number one prospect in the system? Because as you mentioned, the Twins have a collection of nice players, but no top, top standout dude that you Mm -hmm. really consider a top 25 type. Yeah, I think so. It was, uh, I I would say that the debate came down to Austin Martin and Royce Lewis for the top spot. And then we get into Royce Lewis and it's not a, not a player who's easy to figure out by any means at the top of this system are definitely two, two players with a lot of questions for very different reasons. Uh, Royce obviously didn't play the last two years because of COVID uh, and then because of a knee injury that wiped out his 2021 season. I think in terms of pure upside um, and overall tool set, Royce Lewis is the most talented player in this system. At the same time, there are real hitting questions. Uh, His last full season in 2019, he looked um, very overmatched at times. Uh, he, He came back at the end of that year in the Arizona Fall League and was fantastic. He has shown flashes of being a very good player offensively. He's shown flashes of being a very good player defensively. Um, but you just don't have a lot of confidence in the hit tool right now. He swings and misses a little bit. He's had trouble with plate coverage. He, he Just the tool set and the upside have you excited, and it's tough to really feel confident in, in what we're looking at because he hasn't played in so long. 
So for, for all the questions we have about Austin Martin in 2022, I think Royce Lewis has even more questions to answer because outside of the hit tool, you look at all of his supplemental tools, it's above average or better across the board. He's a double plus runner. He has flashed above average defensive tools, depending on what position you see him in. He's got a good arm in terms of arm strength. He's got raw power. The hit tool is really the question mark. And it's a big question mark when you haven't had two years to get the ABs that you really just, you can't get around the fact that you missed out on those. And he's got a lot of catching up to do just in terms of a, a game is played and a, uh, a pitch is seen perspective. Yeah. And one of the things I think that is important for him and the twins overall outlook is look, even the twins acknowledge Austin Martin's not a shortstop in their mind, Royce Lewis and Nick Gordon are really their only internal shortstops right now. Obviously they signed Andrelton Simmons last year that did not work out. And so they really do kind of need Royce Lewis to come back and be healthy. As you mentioned, he hasn't played since 2019. He did get into a couple of games at the end of Instructs as a DH. What is his health status and what was the update on him in terms of where he was this offseason based on your discussions with the Twins? Yeah, I mean, he should be back this year playing uh, where he'll get his first full season in the upper minors. He hasn't had that. I mean, last year he really wasn't able to do much. It was mostly just rehab. Um, so it's just a lot of off the field stuff that we really don't have a ton of information on. I mean, he didn't play any, so it's hard to really get an updated gauge on his tools or his ability. So hopefully he comes back and is healthy. I don't think this is an injury that should have any, any sort of real lingering, um, physical questions for him. Not that I'm aware of at least. Um, so don't have a ton of information in that regard, but we're just kind of hopefully looking at a full season for him for the first time since 2019, which seems crazy to say, but here we are. Yeah, again, injuries, sidetrack guys. He performed well at the alternate site, so there was a little bit of hope there. Obviously, the Mm -hmm. torn ACL really put a damper on things. But, yeah, I mean, I think this top two duo is maybe the most intriguing duo of any Mm -hmm. prospect pairing, just from a pure storylines perspective next year with two guys who were top five overall draft picks and big-time talents who just Mm -hmm. have a lot of questions and seeing how they kind of shake out. I mean, really will have, especially in Lewis's case, a pretty significant impact on the Twins' future outlook. Absolutely. Like you said, both these guys, high draft pedigree. I mean, at the time of the draft, I thought the Austin Martin pick for the Blue Jays at number five was the best pick in the draft because I viewed him as a, a very solid top two player. And we had talked about him versus Spencer Torkelson. It's certainly not tracked in the same way that Torkelson has so far in his career. So seeing a player traded that early in his career is just interesting in general. And having both of these two guys be at the top of a system that really could use some impact. And both of these guys have a chance to provide that. I'll be at some questions before we get there. It's certainly interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how they play this year. Well, seven of the top 10 players in this system are pitchers. We Mm -hmm. talked about the two position players at the top, Martin and Lewis. The third position player in this top 10 is Jose Miranda. He was a big, big, big big-time breakout last season. Really, you know, he was a high draft pick out of Puerto Rico back in 2016. Mm -hmm. It just hadn't really clicked for him, uh, but he came back and was a completely different player post-shutdown, and we saw this. I mean, double-A, triple-A, hit 344 with 30 home runs. He was in contention for the minor league batting crown for most of the year. He led the minor leagues with 184 hits. I mean, this was one of the best seasons in the minor leagues and he was completely age appropriate. He was 23 in the upper Mm -hmm. levels. What do the twins have here? Yeah, they have a very exciting offensive first third base, second baseman who probably is going to bounce around defensively based on what the twins have going on. At the major league level, there, there are a lot of corner profiles that have come through this twin system. 
I think Miranda probably fits that best as well. So the questions of playing time or where he's going to play defensively still up in the air, but in terms of an offensive player, he really took a step forward in 2021, just with his approach. He'd always shown impressive bat to ball ability, but he did a really good job kind of nearing the strike zone for himself, being a little bit more selective and finding pitches that he could drive with more impact. You mentioned his season. It was one of the best offensive seasons in the minors. There were only two players in the minors with 30 or more home runs and doubles. That was Jose Miranda and Bobby Witt Jr., a pretty select group of uh, group of hitters to be in. Um, I think there is a question about what is he at the end of the day at the major league level as a hitter. He, he has the bats of ball ability to be a high average guy. He has the power to hit for a lot of home runs. Is he going to have a solid blend of both average and power? Is he going to maybe sacrifice one of those to get more of the other? I think that's still up in the air and we only have one year of him really putting it all together. Um, so I guess you could still question like, is this approach going to stick moving forward, but it was a phenomenal season. I don't think he's going to do a ton for you defensively, but I think he'll do enough, um, to kind of handle a position while giving you a a pretty potent bat in the lineup. Looking at the reports, looking at the performance, I think what stands out is there seems to be a lot of confidence. This guy, frankly, will be an everyday major leaguer. Uh, You mentioned some people think it's probably going to be hit over power. Others are more power over hit, but should Mm -hmm. be at least average at both. Again, there's defensive questions. It's it's a 40-grade defender at third base. But if you can hit, someone will find a spot for you. I mean, just looking at kind of all these factors, there does seem to be more certainty in both scout size and performance numbers wise that this guy will be an everyday player in the major leagues mm-hmm. than, than maybe even Martin and Lewis. I mean, what are the odds that we look up 10 years from now and this is the position player who's had the best career out of this group? Yeah, it wouldn't be shocking. I think the questions, the key thing that you mentioned and, and you said all the time, Kyle, I, I've been saying it more and more too, is that just hitting is the most important thing. And of these three players, in, in terms of hitting and power, hitting – hitting for average, hitting for impact, having a good approach. You have to feel the most confident in the, in the combination that Miranda has over those top two guys. I mean, we have a 50 medium grade on him uh, in the handbook this year. Uh, So the upside is a little bit less than those two, but he's done it in triple a he's done it in double a at a very high level. He's much closer proximity wise to the big league. So that wouldn't be shocking by any means. I, I really don't think he just has fewer offensive questions than those other two. He, he's not going to do a lot for you defensively. Like you said, he has a below average defensive grade. He has a strong arm, but I personally think the arm is probably the least important of these tools we're talking about with a guy like Miranda. Uh, he, he's not a great runner, but again, it doesn't, doesn't really matter if you're a corner profile and you have above average hit and power tools. And everything that I had kind of reported and talked to, like it seems like that is certainly the case for Miranda. I'm really curious to see if he settles into an everyday role at a specific position with the twins this year, or if he's the type of bat um, that kind of versatile, not versatile because he's good at playing a bunch of positions, but versatile because his bat is good enough to warrant him being in the lineup and you kind of shuffle him around depending on the other pieces. Um, But I mean, it was a really impressive minor league season at the highest levels. And I just don't have very many questions in, in the bat here for, for what we're projecting the upside that we're projecting. Yeah, and we've seen the Twins develop some some good players, especially infielders recently. You look at Jorge Polanco, you look at Luis Arias, and, and mm-hmm. you know maybe this can be a, another guy. All right, Carlos, I want to dive into the pitchers because that's yeah. really, I think, the most interesting debate within this system. We mentioned Agreed. seven of the top ten. First, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get right to it. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we're back with Carlos Colazzo breaking down the Minnesota Twins farm system. Carlos, we talked about the position players in this top 10, Austin Martin, Royce Lewis, and Jose Miranda. Where the really interesting debates were in this system were the pitchers. As we mentioned, seven of the top 10 prospects in the twin system are pitchers. And once you get outside the top 10, there's a whole bunch of other arms who are really intriguing as well. How much separation is there between Jordan Belozovic at number three, all the way down to some of these guys we're seeing in you know, the six to 10 group? Yeah, not a lot of separation at all. Certainly less than the the ordinal numbers would tell you. It was extremely difficult for me to line up these guys and then have confidence in it. I think even now, if you wanted to argue with me that that a Joe Ryan should be above a Jordan Balazovic, it I, I would be fine to hear that argument. Like they're so close that I think it just depends on um, what you like in a pitcher, your risk tolerance. Um, for me, the interesting thing with Ryan and Balazovic is it's just a lack of pitchers like Joe Ryan who, who succeed with his profile. I am, I kind of am, am wondering how a fastball dominant pitcher of that caliber will last in the major leagues. Like how, how does that play once hitters have seen his fastball a few times and they get more looks at it? Does he have the secondary stuff to turn over lineups and to consistently put away major league hitters? The fastball is an exceptional pitch. The the quality of life on the pitch and where he releases it from make it really a unicorn offering. It's not a, a very hard pitch. It's it's an average of like 91, 92 miles per hour. Um, but the slot and the carry and the spin make it play up as a, a plus or even a plus plus pitch at times. My questions with Joe Ryan are the secondary offerings. And then with Balzovich, I really got a lot of, this isn't like a direct comp, but I also wrote up Ian Anderson. And while I was writing up Jordan Balzovich, I I think that he does a lot of things similar to what Ian Anderson does in that he has three very solid above average pitches. I don't know that there's any one that's like a clearly obvious plus dominant wipeout pitch, but the way that he mixes and matches all three of these offerings really helps the entire arsenal play up. I think it's a solid middle of the rotation starter upside uh he's performed pretty well in double a 
He threw 97 innings uh, to a 3.62 ERA. And I just think he does a lot of things really well. Um, if, if his secondaries or his fastball ticks up and gets to an obvious plus, um, I think you can be even more excited about it. Uh, and he's also thrown strikes. So I think the overall package excites me about Belzovich and was really why I had him over Ryan. Uh, but Ryan's fastball is such a unicorn outlier pitch that if you wanted to make a case for him and given what he's done at the major league level already, I think that's a, a perfectly fine case to make. Yeah, one of the things that was really, really interesting was just how many people were really, really high on Jordan Belazovic. Have we figured out, by the way, what the actual pronunciation of his name is? I don't know the exact one, so if I'm butchering it, I'm sorry. Same as well. But yeah, he's someone that, just talking to some other uh, people around the game, he's someone that a lot of people are very high on. A lot of teams have tried to acquire him in trades, and Mm -hmm. the Twins have held on to him. Um, Clearly someone that a lot of people value very, very highly. And you mentioned Joe Ryan as well. He's kind of a unicorn. Watching him pitch for Team USA, kind of what you talked about a little bit, he had a start against the Dominican Republic, a big, big game. Mm -hmm. He went out and shut them out for the first four innings, just completely shut him down, racking up swings and misses and strikeouts. But the fifth inning, uh, once the Dominicans started to see him, you know, that second, third time through the lineup, in this case, more the middle of the order, the second time through, Mm -hmm. they started to jump on him, started giving up some home runs. He started to really struggle. And and this Dominican team was a lot of ex-big leaguers who knew how to make adjustments and take Mm -hmm. advantage of a younger pitcher. So seeing that was definitely a little bit like, okay, he absolutely dominated for four innings. But once he got into that fifth and guys kind of seeing him, they were able to jump on him. And I'm going to be curious to see how he can adjust. I think he can and will adjust, but we still have Mm -hmm. to see him do it. Yeah, he. uh, the scouts that I talked to liked the improvement of his slider. He used it only 16% of the time. Uh, but he generated whiffs at a 35% rate. So that was solid. It doesn't project as anything more than an average offering right now. If he continues to sharpen it up and, and take strides forward, maybe you can get to two above average offerings. But really when I'm looking at Ryan, I see like a plus or better pitch in this fastball. Um, above average control. He really goes right after hitters and attacks them with that fastball. I mean, the confidence that he has in the pitch, I think can allow him to get ahead and counts pretty frequently. But just the secondaries, I mean, his fastball usage was like, 66 percent last year um and i just feel like it's tough to go to one pitch that often as a starter and have sustained success maybe the fastball with him is just good enough that that he can do that um but i feel like at some point big league hitters will adjust to it um at least in some capacity so really intrigued to see i guess one if he develops some secondaries to give him a few other offerings that he can have a little bit more confidence in to complement that fastball and two is the fastball just that dominant that he can just kind of go to it over and over and over again and have success. But another guy in the system, but I think middle of the rotation upside at best there, there's no one in this system. I think that profiles as like a number one or number two, but there are a lot of guys who profile as a middle or a back of the rotation starter. And a lot of these guys um, are in the upper levels of the minors right now, which is certainly something the twins need. By the way, got the pronunciation. It is Belazovic. Thank you there very much. MLB official pronunciation guide. Carlos, there's one pitcher who is really intriguing to me here, uh, and that's Mm -hmm. Josh Winder. He was a seventh-round pick out of uh, VMI a few years ago. Someone who has really, really popped up in this organization and given the Twins another quality arm. Got up to AAA last year. Spent most of the year in AA. uh, Mm -hmm. Had a 2-6 ERA. Strikeout to walk was great. What do the Twins have here? Because this is someone that was certainly rising and on a lot of people's radars. Yeah, he's improved his stuff quite a bit since he's been drafted. I mean – it's almost the opposite of Ryan in a lot of ways here. Really like the secondaries with Winder. 
Uh, he's got a hard mid 80s slider that has cutter shape at times that he went to most often outside of the fastball, which on its own has touched 98, sits in the mid 90s and is an above average pitch. And then he also has a, a really good changeup that he got a ton of whiffs on this year. It gets plus grade. So with his slider and his changeup, I think there are two potential plus secondaries that you have here. Um, solid control. He's always been a guy that's had a pretty good feel for pitching. He walked just 1.6 per nine in 2021. Um, the question with him is just shoulder health. He missed the second half of the season with shoulder fatigue. That is obviously scary. I think if you look at all the stuff that Winder does in, in terms of pitch mix, in terms of control, um, performance, you're looking at a guy who probably could have been like solidly up in that top five, maybe, although Miranda had a really good year. I'm not trying to knock on him, but you just don't have a lot of question marks outside of the health. And, and the shoulder health is more of a kind of serious question, I would say, compared to maybe some other injuries that a pitcher could be dealing with. So that's really the red flag with him that if he's healthy um, again, no reason why he couldn't be a solid middle of rotation starter. He, he does a lot of things really well. Um, I think everyone that I spoke with really likes his pitch ability, how he's able to kind of mix and match. Um, and so if, if the health is, if the health is hundred percent, the shoulder's good. Um, there's really no obvious area of weakness that you see with him, but obviously you got to be on the field to provide value. And, and so that would be the question now. You talk about these guys, Belazovic, Ryan, uh, Winder, again, really good pitching prospects, kind of that mm -hmm. mid-rotation bucket, number three, number four starters. And by the way, those are great outcomes. No one should yeah. be disappointed by those. I think sometimes the prospect world gets a little disconnected from baseball <laughs> reality when they, Absolutely. you know, poo-poo a good number three or four starter. That said, I do want to ask, is there a pitcher in the system who has the potential to be a front of the rotation type or a number two starter, even if it's a, a very, very unlikely outcome? Is there mm -hmm. anyone in here who has that potential you can dream on? I mean, Chase Petty is probably the guy that you would point to just because the pure stuff is really electric. He's an insane athlete. Uh, Petty was the first round pick for the Twins in 2021. One of the hardest throwing high school arms um, that we've seen in years. I mean, he's kind of in that group of all time prep flamethrowers. Um, some people might get really excited about that. Um, I think you would be justified to get a little skeptical and a little concerned because that group of pitchers has not panned out very well historically. Um, Kyle, as you, as you well know. Um, so he has upside, he's got a double plus fastball. It has a ton of life on top of the velocity um, a lot of really impressive sink and ride. Um, it's not the kind of in vogue four seam riding life up in the zone, but I think the velocity and the moving of the pitch is really going to keep it off barrels. His slider has flashed double plus offerings at times. Um, he needs more consistency with that pitch, um, but it has a chance to be a second 70. So when you're talking about a guy who has two potential 70s, I think that's the guy that you would probably point to and say, okay, if everything breaks right, if the command takes a step forward, if his changeup gets to a solid average or above average, which it has flashed at times enough, you could see kind of everything breaking right for him to get to that front of the rotation um, mix. Um, but I think the questions that you have with the demographic that he comes from, um, with throwing so hard at that time, and just some of the effort that you see in his delivery right now, uh, the control, you would have to be really optimistic, I think, to go above an average grade in that department for him right now. So it's just kind of too, he needs to prove a lot more before you can confidently put that sort of grade on him, but certainly 
he would be the guy that I point to that says, okay, if one of these pitchers is going to become that, I think Petty is the best bet. Carlos, the pitching theme really extends beyond the top 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, 12 of the top 18 prospects in this system, as you have them ranked, are pitchers. Mm-hmm. Who are some guys outside the top 10 that you're really looking at, especially on the pitching side, or if there is a position player that really jumps out to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, like I was saying, a lot of these guys have a chance to impact the Twins very soon. Um, I guess I will point to a guy who's just outside of the 10. Uh, who's an interesting arm, another really good fastball in Louis Varland. He is a, a pitcher who pitched in the lower levels in the minors, low A and high A in 2021, uh, pitched to a 2.10 ERA. Um, he has done a good job increasing his fastball velocity over the last year or so. Um, as an amateur, he was pitching in the low 90s. This year, he was sitting more in the mid 90s, peaking at 98, 99. Um, on top of that flat approach, approach angle that really gets a lot of whiffs up in the zone. Um, got a good slider and a good changeup as well to go with it. And then on top of that, he also has improved his strike throwing. He walked just 2.6 batters per nine. So there are really a lot of, a lot of good indicators that I see with a guy like Varland. He is 23 years old, so maybe you kind of want a guy like that to have already done something in double-A or be moving into triple-A. Um, but I think with the uptick and stuff, um, he's got a chance to to be a really good starting pitcher, and he has the stuff to to fall back as a reliever if the command maybe isn't um, as good as what we saw in 2021 for the long haul. So that's one guy. Another pitcher I'm interested in is Stephen Hajar, who is another 2021 draftee. He is a guy who in the past has shown really impressive velocity, kind of went up and down as an amateur, heard really good things about where the velocity was, um, when he got to camp with the twins, he didn't throw an official game in pro ball. Uh, but we heard that the fastball is up to 97. If, and if we're dealing with a fastball that's routinely in the mid nineties for a guy who has this sort of funk and strike throwing and pitch ability that Hajar has shown in the past, um, then we're looking at another guy who has a chance to be a, a pretty solid number three, maybe number four starter for you if everything breaks right. So I think they have a, a chance to get some good value with Hagar, depending on where this stuff is. Because at times as an amateur, he was a guy that, that scouts thought had a chance to be a top of the first round kind of guy. What's the status of Aaron Sabato and Keone Cavaco? Mm-hmm. Two guys we haven't talked about. Cavaco was their first round pick in 2019. Yep. Sabato, their first round pick in 2020. Uh, both these guys are well outside the top 10. They are in the 30, uh, but, but mm-hmm. overall, what's the status on both of them right now? Yeah, I guess I'll start with uh, Keone just because we had him a little further down. Um, he still just really struggled offensively, still really raw in a lot of areas of the game. You would have wanted him to take a few more steps forward than he has. I have to imagine that the COVID year really hurts a player like Kavaka who just needed all the reps he could get. I think the one good thing you could look at for Keone this past year is that he did show flashes of hitting and hitting for impact when everything is together. It's just the consistency with his approach um, and the consistency in being on the field. He dealt with a few nagging injuries this year as well. have really limited him, but his first year in pro ball, there were really no flashes of, of putting it together offensively. So I think the fact that he did put it together for short stints this year makes you okay. think maybe there's something in there, maybe with continued reps, he'll, he'll be able to figure it out. And he's still 20 years old. So he's still very young. The tools are still there. Um, but the approach is just really, really raw and he's got to make an adjustment. Um, Sabato, uh, you can feel a little bit better because while his, his initial start at the season with Fort Myers and low a was abysmal, for a hitter of his profile, a right, right, first base only, maybe a DH 
type hitter. You don't want to see that guy hitting 189 with a 357 slug in low A. Um, that's just not what you want to see. He did make an adjustment when he was promoted to high A, Cedar Rapids. Um, the average bumped up to 253. The slug went over 600. And I think the one thing that um, that can kind of keep you optimistic about Sabato is that the walk rate, the walk rate has has been really good, regardless of the bat to ball ability and and how much impact he's getting to in game. Um, his 92 walks, I think, were second in the minors to only Edward Julian, who is also on this top 30 for the Twins. So a couple of really keen or a number of really keen eyed batters in this system. Um, the strikeout rate is 32. percent That is kind of a red flag for me. I mean, how much how much contact is he going to get to as he per, uh, progresses and faces better pitching still a guy who hasn't seen double a pitching. I mean, I can't see that strikeout rate really improving too much at the next levels. And that's a, that's obviously a problem for a guy who's reliant on his bat to provide value. You're not going to be able to just walk your way um, to a major league career as with that profile, he needs to get to some of that power. Um, so look at the strikeout rate with him, but he does seem to have a, a solid eye that can maybe provide some, some on-base foundational skills for him when he's not hitting. So, yeah, these two prospects in particular were kind of pivot points of some interesting mm-hmm. conversations that I know I had and other people had uh, with the front office officials throughout the year. And one of which was that both of these two were among the youngest players in their respective draft classes. Keone Cavaco was one of the youngest players in the 2019 draft class, and that was a big part of his appeal, his youth with his tools. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Sabato was a draft-eligible sophomore, and increasingly in kind of this model-driven age, a player's age is taking on more and more importance, uh, but there have been times mm-hmm. where there's been a suspicion that people are focusing on the age too much and not enough on what the guy can actually do on the field. And, and yeah. that was one thing that came up. There were a lot of questions about how much Kavaka was going to hit even in high school. Mm-hmm. And, and Sabato, one of the things that came up talking to scouts this year is the bat speed just, just was not there. And they mentioned yeah. a few times that, you know, 2020 when the, you're only doing video scouting, it's really hard to pick up bat speed on video mm-hmm. scouting to the same degree you can in the ballpark. And they think that was where maybe that was missed. Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, he he really looked overmatched by fastballs that were harder than 93 miles per hour. And if you're going to struggle against velocity, it's really hard to carve out a role as a as a regular hitter in a major league lineup. I think that's a real question mark that Sabato has that he's going to have to um, answer, whether that is just being a timing expert and just always being on time and, and having a really good approach and pitch recognition. There are some things you can do to get away with, with not having elite bat speed, but I mean, having that bat speed is obviously uh, is, is better. I think one of the interesting things too, and this doesn't really apply to Cavaco, um, but the Twins have drafted a lot of corner profiles. And I think model heavy teams, maybe it's it's easier to steer towards those profiles because you are putting up good numbers in college. Um, there are a lot of corner outfield types that have come through this system and have had varying degrees of success. Some guys that we've already talked about here. But Sabato was a really, really good performer in college. He set North Carolina's freshman home run record. Um, in 2019 with 18 homers, he showed some of the best raw power in the class as a draft eligible sophomore. Um, but it is certainly a bat forward profile. And if he's not hitting and not hitting for power and not getting on base, um, it's going to be really tough to profile as an everyday player for a competitive team. There is one corner slugger type that 
I'm really intrigued by and I'm kind of on and is in this top 30 near the back and actually had a pretty good season. Mm-hmm. And that's Kalai Rosario. I uh, saw yeah. him at the Area Code Games, Hawaiian kid, and it was monstrous, monstrous mm-hmm. power. Just to put perspective, he beat Blaze Jordan to win the home run derby, hit a shot 440 feet. It's a metal bat, but as a kid who has yet to begin his senior year in high school, it was impressive. Uh, some of the launch angle and bat speed numbers he was putting up were pretty mm-hmm. off the charts to use a, an off-use cliche. <laughs> but the other thing is he showed some ability to hit. He was able to check down, drive some balls into right field. It wasn't just an all-or-nothing slugger. There was some ability to, to hit balls hard on a line against good pitching. Mm-hmm. He just really intrigued me. And it was one player from those area code games, along with Kyle Harrison and Tyler Soderstrom, that, that I saw that really kind of jumped out to me. And he had a pretty good pro debut do the Twins have something here? Again, he's in the back of the list. It, it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a long-term play, but um, he's just always kind of intrigued me, and I, I'm kind of on it, especially after seeing a, a solid pro debut. Yeah, he's one of the guys at the bottom of this list that I think could take a pretty massive step forward. I think what, what's kind of holding him back now is he hasn't gotten out of the complex. He's young. There are some swing and miss concerns, but I think everything you mentioned is is on point. He hits the ball extremely hard. He's a very physical, athletic guy with a strong frame now raw power that's already getting double plus or even 80 future grades. Um, his exit velocities show up near the top of this system. And you've got a bunch of guys with impressive raw power, including Aaron Sabato. Um, so that's impressive for a guy who's just 18 years old to show up at the top of a leaderboard like that. Um, he had a good season, like you said, 277, 341, 452, hit five home runs. I think What's encouraging with that strikeout rate, it was a 31.7% strikeout rate this year in the complex, which is a little bit concerning to be that high in that classification. Um, But I think the swing decisions uh, are pretty good. He didn't chase outside of the zone too frequently. Um, So maybe it's just maybe like a bat to ball issue at the moment. How much contact is he going to make as he progresses up the minor league ladder? That'll be a question that I have that I'll probably need to answer. But if he does that, he certainly has some of the most impact potential in this system. Uh, and I heard nothing but good things about kind of his work ethic and how he gets after it on the field. Um, so I would say if you're looking down this list, Kalai Rosario certainly has some of the most intriguing upside and is a, a good good eye by you to kind of peg him as a, a player of interest in this range. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned the uh, kind of the work ethic. The Big Island Hawaii kids are tough. Carlos, before we wrap up, any final thoughts on this system, its strengths, its weaknesses, mm-hmm. and maybe what to watch for in 2022 beyond the obvious Austin Martin, Royce Lewis performances? Yeah, I think I think overall this system is, is probably the deepest system that I've written up just in terms of players that I feel very confident will have some sort of major league role, whether that is an off-the-bench hitter, um, an up-and-down guy, Uh, Guys who are going to be in the back of a rotation, guys who are going to jump into a bullpen and help out. The top end depth is certainly lacking, but I was just really kind of floored with the depth. Even as you progress throughout the system, there are a lot of guys that I think can help a major league team win. Um, We don't have any centerpiece stars right now that you can feel really confident in. Um, Maybe that'll change with a guy like Royce Lewis getting healthy and breaking out. This year, maybe that'll change with a guy like Austin Martin adding more power. Um, but you need you need players outside of those stars. I think the Twins have Byron Buxton um, to kind of build around. A lot of questions with pitching, and I think maybe a lot of potential answers with pitching. If you have a full rotation of number three, number four types, 
maybe you run into some issues in the playoffs, but that's a pretty good rotation. And I think there are a number of guys here who could fill that role uh, and fill it in the near future. So I think it's a very solid system overall, maybe not the sexiest, depending on what you like. And we certainly, or at least I certainly have a bias towards top end systems. Um, but this is a very, very deep system on the whole. And I think depending on, on what you see from some of these hitters at the lower levels um, has a chance to look pretty good next year as well. Absolutely. We'll see if the Twins are able to get some near-term production and return to the top of the standings in the AL Central. Uh, there's certainly an opportunity after the White Sox. Things seem pretty wide open in the division. So we'll see what they're able to do. Carlos, we appreciate you taking the time and uh, thanks for providing your insight as always. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cal. This is fun, man. We'll uh, we'll have to jump back on this Austin Martin debate in five years and two is right. <laughs> love it, love it. All right, everyone, that'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Carlos Colazzo, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.